Hello, thank you for listening to the Avenue GCLC podcast. My name is Christopher Stevens, and I'm the minister at the Avenue G Church of Christ, where we are people of more. We hope that you enjoy and have enjoyed listening to this podcast, where you can find sermons, congregational singing, and talk shows with myself and youth minister Joshua Williams. We pray that the content is a blessing to you, and we hope that everyone listening can join us in person for worship and Bible class. We are located at 601 West Avenue G, Temple, Texas, 76504. And don't forget to visit us online at avegcoc.org. From the people of Moore to you, thank you and God bless. Blessed to be in the house this morning. Casual Sunday. Most of you are comfortable, and, and we, we put a twist on it and said, We're your favorite sports team today. And I have talked you all well because I see a lot of Cowboys, Stars, and all. There's a couple of Saints out there. Let's pray for them after we finish. <laughs> We, yeah, we still love it. Who that? That's what I said. <laughs> All right. Now, now, uh, uh, this 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 morning marks uh, our third sermon in our uh, 2019 uh, 2019 thematic sermon series, which is titled "Forgiven." Uh, this year, in 2019, we have the topic of forgiveness. Of forgiven, and we've been looking at different aspects of forgiveness. Uh, the first time we looked at uh, the forgiveness of God, we looked at the forgiveness of others. And on this morning, we'll take a look at the forgiveness of self. Forgiveness of self. Now, I want you to understand that I don't just stand up here wearing this uncomfortable jersey for no reason. These are muscles that have grown since I was in high school. Uh, wearing this, jersey. this jersey used to be loose, but I don't think I can fit it over shoulder pads. But me, this is a visual illustration too. I thought about that too. I was like, this is us trying to uh, fit in our old, us trying to fit in our old lives. We got too big for our old selves. We got to, we got to, we got to wear what God wants to wear. Uh, but on this morning, I want to share with you a story. Uh, because we all in here struggle uh, with moments of us not being able to forgive ourselves. Uh, I, I remember it like it was yesterday, and it was a Wednesday evening, and we had the task of going and ministering to one of our beloved sisters who was in the nursing home. And I was tasked with uh, taking our youth there to the nursing home to see. Uh, now, this, this sister was a... Uh, great influence on my life. That's what made me go and take this jersey off the wall. I usually have this on the wall. Uh, but that's what made me go and take this jersey off the wall because this woman, she always, always believed in me. She always spoke life into me. I remember whenever I was skinny enough to fit into this jersey, she would tell me how proud of me she was and how I was going to do something great for God. Even, even though all those things she said, I didn't believe in myself. I didn't like myself, but she always, always said great things to me. I, I remember this this sister, whenever I came back to Temple from uh, Phoenix, I went to school in Phoenix for a little bit, and 
I got my own place. And I didn't have any furniture. She furnished my apartment. Got me a couch. Got me a lazy boy and a bed. You know, it was it was through the uh, love of Christ, but it still was better than me having to go pay for it. And it was a Wednesday night, and we getting ready to go, and we're singing to this sister because she's now in the nursing home, and this is Sister Celsius. Mm-hmm. Right, I call the people at the nursing home and I tell them, hey, we're about to we're about to come over and we're about to sing for Sister Seltzer. And they tell me that she passed away oh, a couple God. of hours before. And that hurt me. It hurt me. Uh, to explain that to the kids, to deliver that news to the church. And I remember uh, crying because I, I, I couldn't believe that I had messed it up. I couldn't believe that I, because I want to stick to a schedule, allow this person who believed in me, who spoke life into me, to die before I had the chance for me to even say goodbye or give a proper thank you. Uh, and that was something that I could not forgive myself for. That was something that I struggled with. Uh, and it, it bothered me very deeply. And I know that that is something that we all deal with. You know, I asked myself the question, why didn't I go sooner? Why did I wait until Wednesday? And we've been in situations where we've done things uh, that we're not proud of, and we begin to guilt ourselves into uh, certain situations. We guilt ourselves when bad things happen to our children. We've done what we thought was our best to raise our children, and our children still don't do what we want them to do. Uh, We guilt ourselves when we mess up our family's finances. You may be responsible for the finances in your home, and you end up messing things up. We give ourselves when we allow the game winning point in the sports game or when we fail a test at school. We have so much guilt that we're dealing with ourselves. And we have to ask ourselves the question, when we face times, and it is hard to forgive ourselves, what should we do when we face these times? What should we do? When we look at the Bible, the Bible doesn't necessarily speak about the forgiveness of self. We don't see that thing there. So we're left to ponder, what is this thing that we're dealing with? When we face these hard times, what is it we're dealing with? What do we do when we cannot forgive ourselves? Now, in the first two sermons that we spoke about in this thematic series, we talked about what exactly forgiveness was. Uh, Forgiveness, according to the Anchor Yale Bible Dictionary, forgiveness is the wiping out of an offense from memory. It can be affected only by the one affronted. Once eradicated, the offense no longer conditions the relationship between the offender and the one affronted. And harmony is restored between the two. Avon, don't get don't get behind trying to write things down. Here's, here's my here's my definition here. I tried to shorten it up. Forgiveness is the letting go of harmful actions to reestablish a loving relationship. That's all it is. I remember as a kid hearing about forgive and forget. Forgive and forget. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is letting go. Letting go of those harmful actions to reestablish the relationship. Alright? Because we can't forgive. Alright? But we can let go. We can not hold it against the person who established the offense in the first place. That's forgiveness. We also talked about, as we made it through this sermon series, our first two lessons, we talked about the two types of forgiveness that are mentioned in the Bible. 
we have this horizontal forgiveness that exists. That is forgiveness among each other. We forgiving each other as brothers and sisters, as human beings. Because guess what? None of us are perfect. All of us make mistakes. If you haven't, you will. Alright? Some of you may be thinking right now, I made a mistake once. You'll make another one. Alright? Horizontal forgiveness. And then we talked about the vertical forgiveness, and that is the forgiveness of God. God's forgiveness is perfect. His forgiveness is perfect. So when you're at odds with yourself, you can't forgive yourself. How well does forgiveness work? If you won't let go of the offense. The Bible, like I said, the Bible doesn't really speak about forgiveness itself, but it does talk about the inner turmoil that someone that we are very aware of had to deal with. Right? I want you to see what happens whenever someone who is a, actually a literal follower of Jesus Christ dealt with inner turmoil. Turn your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. Judas is who we're going to be looking at today. You know, as I'm thinking about forgiveness itself, I was trying to think about who, who can I talk about? Who can I talk about? Because we can talk about the success stories, right? Paul, he was able to forgive himself and go on and do great things for the kingdom. Yes. But Judas's story is a story that is tragic. Because he allowed this guilt, this inner turmoil, to cause him to do something that was really, really messed up. Let's look at Mark chapter 14, verse number 10. The Bible reads, Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. Now, if you don't know, Judas was one of the twelve, and he was following Jesus around, involved with his ministry. That was Jesus' homeboy, right? It's his ace. But Judas found or saw a way to betray Jesus. Verse number 11, we see why. Verse number 11 says, look, Brother And when they heard this, okay, they were glad and promised to give him money. Okay. So he started looking for a good opportunity to betray him. So Judas goes and he's looking for a way to betray Jesus because he wants to get paid. And they're happy about it because they're tired of Jesus making them look bad. They hear this, they're glad, and, and we don't get a, a very clear motive of what's going on here with Judas, but we just know that he had the desire to do wrong. And he had a desire to even go further and do wrong against his friend. And just as Judas got wrapped up in sin and his appeal, we too do the same. We do the same thing. All of us in here, in our lives, have sin. Do y'all remember going on first dates? I know some of y'all have been married forever, don't remember first dates. <laughs> but you remember your first dates. Uh, you would make sure, I, I can speak for the guys, you would always make sure that your breath was right. right? You go get the winter fresh, or you get some of the Listerine strips, you make sure your breath is right. <laughs> Or for the older brothers, maybe y'all use some of the binocular, the stuff you spray in your mouth. Right? You put you put a whole bunch of grease on your head, make sure your hair is in place when you go pick her up. And you putting on the front, right? Because you don't want her to know who you really are, because you want to make a good first impression. I want to at least dig my claws in before she figures out who I really am. That's how sin works. It's appealing, it looks good at first. But whenever you get off into the relationship, sin leads to death. 
And it ends up harming you in the end. That's exactly what sin is. Sin wants to take you on a first date and tell you how great things are going to be, but it's a bad person. And this is what had Judas's heart. This is what has our heart. It's, it's these things that we see as being great. Remember the thing that you did that you still feel bad about today? It used to look good. When you first looked at it, when you first thought about that sin, when you first had the desire, and that desire gave birth to temptation, it gave birth to sin, it gave birth to death. And that remorse that you still feel about the thing that you did, it looked good at first. And it looked good to Judas. Judas, he's wondering, how can I figure out a way to betray Jesus? And Judas keeps faking the funk with Jesus, and he's sitting at a table eating at the Last Supper. And Jesus is like, y'all, so one of y'all going to betray me. And he says, is it me? <laughs> Knowing very well that it is him. All right. And we go over, and, and Jesus has has, has been uh, uh, sentenced, and Peter has denied him. And all these things are happening to Jesus. And we turn our Bibles over to Matthew chapter 27, verse number 3. Matthew chapter 27, verse number 3. That's the first book of the New Testament. Okay? Matthew chapter 27, verse number 3. What does it say there, Brother Arnold? And Judas, his betrayer, uh -huh. seeing that Jesus had been condemned, uh -huh. was full of remorse. He was full of what? Remorse. Everybody say it where he's full of what? Remorse. I want you to understand that this thing that Judas felt is not the same thing that you feel when you come to Jesus as a, uh, a sinner wanting to become a Christian. There's, there's three different words in the Greek for repentance. And these, this is one of them here. But this is different, right? Because we know that the repentance that leads to salvation is a change of heart that leads to a change of action. I want to do something about what I've done in my past. But this feeling that Judas feels is Judas is upset because he got caught. He's feeling bad because he's done something wrong and it was exposed, Right? That's what this word means right here. I want you to see this. And so when you look at this remorse that Judas is feeling, I want you to understand that he doesn't necessarily want to change. He just got exposed and he wants it to not be so. And so Judas is like most of us who use Twitter. Right? <laughs> Our emotions get the best of us and we type up that stupid thing that, we're, that we should type up and we press send. And once you press sin, it's gone. It's out there. And, 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 and 10 years later, it might get you fired. Right? <laughs> That's what Judas did. Judas pressed sin. And he was like, oh, man, I've been exposed. And there is no undo. There is no undo button. I know you, you, you young folks, you use office suites, you use Word, Excel, PowerPoint. You make a mistake, you can just press undo. But what, what Jesus has just done, there is no undo But you may be able to delete with the help of God. You see, there's damage whenever you commit sin. And usually, this is what the enemy does. If you are serving the enemy, if you choose to live in sin, the enemy will take a screenshot of your sin and make sure he posts it up so that God can see it. He's not good enough for me. That's not a good master, is it? No. What God does, God says, I'm going to delete that. I'm going to go to the service and make sure that you're not held accountable for that anymore. 
Y'all know that everything that you put online, even if you delete it, it's saved in service. Right? It's not actually deleted. That's that's free. Okay? All right. So Judas did his best to undo this actions, even going as far as to return the money. Keep reading here. And returning the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. Okay. I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. Judas said. said, I've sinned because I've betrayed innocent blood. He realized his sin, but he only wants to not feel the shame. He doesn't, or he isn't interested in changing. Verse number five reads what? What's thou to us, they said. They said, what's that got to do with me? You feel bad about betraying your friend? What's that got to do with us? We gave you the money already. Then what happened? See to it yourself. Uh-huh. So he threw the silver into the temple and he throws the money and then he leaves. Then he went and hanged himself. Judas went and he killed himself. I don't know why, but I have a really soft spot in my heart for Judas. Because I read Judas' story over and over and over again. And I always think to myself, what if he would have just asked God to forgive him? What if he would have just asked God, please, God, I, I know I messed up. Forgive me. I want to still be a part of your kingdom. I know I did bad stuff. But there was something that was off about the way his heart worked. Let's look again. We'll see another account of his death in Acts 1, verses 18 through 19. Acts 1, verses 18 through 19. What does the Bible say? Now this man acquired a field with his unrighteous wages. This is talking about Judas. He fell head first. Uh -huh. His body burst open and his intestines spilled out. Now most, most, most experts believe that this is what happened after he hung himself. His body swells up and then he falls out. Body burst open, intestines fill out. It's a terrible, terrible, not even a proper burial, right? Terrible way that he went out. Verse 19. This became known to all the residents of Jerusalem, so that in their own language, that field is called Hakedama. That is field of blood. When we look at this, we see that this inner turmoil. That, that Judas was dealing with, this guilt that he was churning around in his head over and over again, it wore on him until he took his own life. And it was a decision that he made. It's a decision that he made. Because of this guilt, because of this remorse that he didn't handle properly, he decided to take his own life. So we have to ask ourselves, how does this work? How does our heart process these things? How can we do better? We look at 2 Corinthians. Paul has a message to the church at Corinth. And I, and I was I, I, I was so blessed to find this. I stumbled upon this, to be honest with you, because I'm looking at this and I'm seeing, I, I was doing a word study on that, that word that Judas was feeling. And then that same word popped up into this text here. Uh, Paul is talking to the church at Corinth, and he says this right here. He, he, he had to write him a letter because they weren't acting right. 
And he had to tell them about something. What does it say right here in verse number five? In fact, uh -huh. when we came into Macedonia, uh -huh. we had no rest. Mm -hmm. Instead, we were troubled in every way. Okay. Conflicts on the outside. Okay. Fears within. Keep going. But God, uh -huh. who confronts the downcast, okay. comforted us by the arrival of Titus. All right. Uh -huh. And not only by his arrival, but also by the comfort he received from you. Okay. He told us about your deep longing, your sorrow, and your zeal for me, mm -hmm. so that I rejoiced even more. Okay. So, right. Verse number eight. For even I, even if I grieve you with my letter, I don't regret it. And if I regretted it. Since I saw that the letter grieved you, yet only for a while. I want you to understand that that word, that word for remorse that we saw in the other passage, this is the same word that Paul is using right here. Paul says, I had to write you a letter. And I know that this letter probably made you feel a certain way. You felt bad because I knew about what you were doing and I corrected you. But he says, I don't regret it. Paul says, I don't regret grieving you. Why, Paul? Why don't you regret making them feel this guilt and this grief in their heart? Keep reading. I now rejoice. He says, I now rejoice as a matter of fact. I don't regret it. I rejoice. Why? Not because you agree. Not because you felt this inner turmoil, this grief, this guilt within your heart. But what? But because your grief led to repentance. He says your grief led to your repentance. This is what we talked about last week. There are times in our lives when we are going to have to be honest with people and instead of just kissing them and telling them that it's alright when it ain't, we're going to have to hurt right. some folks in order right. to get them to repent. Right. Yeah, right. In order to lead them back to God. He said your grief led you back or led you to repentance. This repentance here, the other word that we're talking about, this led you to change your actions, not just your mind. I tell y'all all the time, if I wanted a six pack, <laughs> I wouldn't just change my mind about the bad. I would actually stop eating bad food. I can't just change my mind about this thing. And then hope the six pack is going to come. I have to change this, and then it leads to some action, right? He says, your grief led to your repentance. For you were grieved as God's will. God wanted them to feel this grief so that they can repent. Right. God wants us to come back to him. He doesn't see us as making mistakes and then we're not good enough, even though that's how we knew ourselves. Yes, Lord. We'll make a mistake and then we're just not good enough for anybody. I can't come to church. I can't come to worship. I can't even open the word of God because I'm not worthy. This is the position we take when we look at ourselves and we can't forgive ourselves. And so he says, so uh, keep reading, Brother Arnold. For, go back to verse 9. For you agree as God will come on. so that you didn't experience any loss from us. Okay, keep reading. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation. I was right there. I want you to take this down. If you if you got your bulletin on your back page, take this note down. Godly grief produces repentance. Godly grief produces repentance. If you feel grief in your heart, which you will feel if you make a mistake and your heart is towards God, you're going to feel grief. 
But godly grief doesn't lead for you to hurt yourself. All right, now. It doesn't lead Amen. for you to take your life. Amen. It doesn't lead to, towards you cutting yourself, towards you doing drugs, towards you drinking, towards you doing all these things. Because God wouldn't have you do something that makes yourself worse. Come on now. But godly grief leads to uh, produces repentance, and then that repentance leads to what? Salvation. Salvation. All right. And it says it's without regret. But it says here that worldly grief produces death. And this word here is Thanos. And for the Marvel fans, y'all know what Thanos does, right? Thanatos, right? Y'all know what Thanos does. He kills, right? We look at this. And with the special focus on verse number 10, we have to ask ourselves, which grief do you produce within yourself? Does your grief, does your guilt for what you've done cause you to repent? Or does it cause you or lead you towards a slow death? Well, when you fail a test, do you hold on to grief? How long have you held on to grief because of your adult children's mistakes? Or because of that failed marriage? How long will your grief of poor decisions of the past and missed opportunities keep you from looking forward? <laughs> we ask ourselves, how can we change? How can we change? I want you to see something. I want you to hold on this forever. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I included the six verses here at the beginning, but even with this with this right here, this first number one. I want you to see just with this. Read that right there, brother. Therefore, therefore, there is now no condemnation. There is now no what? Condemnation. Everybody, there's no what? Condemnation. Listen, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. If you go to God and you ask God for forgiveness, and He forgave you. Who are you to sit in his seat and say, I'm not forgiven? How arrogant is that for you to say, I know that I've gone to this other person that I wronged and asked for forgiveness, but I just can't let myself off the hook. Mm. You put yourself in God's seat, in his judgment seat, and say, I don't deserve forgiveness when he forgave you, mm. and the other person forgave you. Who are you? Amen. Who are we? Amen. To say that we don't deserve forgiveness. Do you see the arrogance that's involved with not forgiving yourself? Do you see the arrogance that's involved when you say, I'm going to take my life? Mm. You can't give life. Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Condemnation means to declare to be reprehensible, wrong, or evil. Usually after weighing evidence and without reservation. I want you to understand that when you come to Jesus with your sins, that Jesus wipes the slate clean. So why are you trying to rewrite what he wrote? I know he forgave me for this, but I need to make sure. That's what we do. If there is forgiveness of God present, then why are you self-condemning? What gives us the right to condemn a child of God? Even if that child of God is you. 
Who told us that we could sit in God's judgment seat between us? If you have the horizontal and vertical relationships restored, let it go. If you have horizontal and vertical relationships restored, let it go. It's going to lead to death. It's going to lead to you harming yourself. It's going to lead to mental damage, physical damage. We have so many people over-medicated because they can't forgive themselves. In conclusion, when you take a look at our community, whether it be within this neighborhood, whether it be within our neighborhoods where we live, in our schools, what would our community our neighborhood look like if people figured out that if God forgives and others forgive, it's okay to let go. What would our community look like? What would happen within this church if Christians were free to continue because of the realization that their grief and guilt doesn't have to bear down? What would it look like in the world? And how many suicides would we continue to see if we got out of God's judgment seat? How many folks would do irreparable damage to themselves if we let go of that God be God? No, the Bible doesn't necessarily speak on self-forgiveness, but it does speak about what worldly grief does to you. Godly grief produces repentance. Worldly grief produces death. We have a choice to make. We have a choice to make. I want to beat you up over how you feel about yourself. For some of you, it's going to take time. But at some point, you got to let it go. And at some point, if you're helping somebody try to let it go, you got to stop thinking. You have to be accountable for our Amen. I don't often like to fly. But whenever I fly, I always get a kick out of those people. They do the, the presentation before you take off. Here is the only lane on the plane. This is the exit, obviously, because it's a door. Here's your seatbelt. Here's how you buckle the seatbelt. Like, that's, that's pointless. But the one the one piece of information that they give that is good is that if the, the oxygen mask drops down out the, the ceiling or roof or whatever, take care of yourself first so you can help other folks. Yes. Take care of yourself first. Amen. Amen. I want you to understand that if you're not a Christian this morning, you live beneath your privilege. God has a wealth of blessings for you. And the ultimate blessing that God can give for you is salvation. You must first hear the word of God. I want you to understand that Jesus Christ in heaven came down, gave up all the glory and the majesty for each and every person in this room. It did not matter what you've done in your past. He died for you. He died for you. We're so, we're so gangster about God. <laughs> Real, let me explain it that way. God defeated that which defeats. Sin causes death. And God took sin out. Took it out for the whole world. And that is some amazing stuff. 
a question that you have to ask yourself is, do you believe it? Do you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins? You have to ask yourself, do I repent of my sins? Do I just feel bad because I got caught? Or do, do I feel a remorse within me that causes me to change? First my mind and then my actions. Are you willing to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God publicly? If you do so, I want you to understand that you can then take the step towards baptism. Baptism is the action where we take it. It's like a reenactment. Do y'all remember Unsolved Mysteries? Where they show somebody uh, a, a, a murder or whatever, and they reenactment. Baptism is much the same way. What we see is a reenactment. We go into the water. We're buried. The old us dies. We rise up new. Right? Death, burial, and resurrection. All your sins wiped away. God no longer holds you accountable for what you've done in your past, and then you begin your walk towards eternity in Christ. If you want to come and respond to the gospel today, I invite you to come forward as we sing the song meditation. If you stand in need of prayer, I want you to come forward as well. Fill out a prayer request card. Our brothers will pray with you. Come forward, please, as we sing the song meditation. All to Jesus I surrender all to Him. 